The Bible's been given to you. Like, you're called out. I'm called out. We're all called out in this passage. Every single, it doesn't say like, hey, pastors need to be really bold. It says, no, like anyone who has turned to the Lord, the veil's been taken away. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you're a UPS driver or stay-at-home mom or a teacher of kindergartners or a CEO or a pastor, whoever. If you've turned to the Lord, the veil's been taken away. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And with that unveiled face, we're actually able to see something differently. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Younes, and I am so glad to be on this journey with you. Happy Easter, everyone. Happy Resurrection Monday. I'm just really glad that we're here, and I love orienting our hearts and our growing and our learning to the calendar, the rhythms that we find in place, because God has really called us to be a people who remember And he has given us these experiences to remember uh, who we are in him, what is really reality here in the world, and how we can live fully into that glorious reality. So I'm really excited about this Bible study series that we are kicking off today entitled Unveiled. And we are going to be looking at how the work of Christ in the entirety of Scripture brings us increasing freedom and transformation. Now, that might sound like a mouthful, but we're going to find sort of the origin of this idea, because as you know, here on here in Bible study, we're not like pulling ideas out of thin air. We are finding our life and grounding ourselves in Scripture. So I want to tell you guys a little bit about the origin of this series, how it came about, and where we're going to go in the next several weeks, because I'd love to just invite you to consider this your Bible study. And one of the ways that I want to do that is I'm going to be giving you the text for the following week in advance in the hopes that you might do some of your own reading, some of your own Bible studies. So when we come back together, we kind of have a chance to like connect over some of these bigger passages of scripture and we'll hone in on a principle or two that we can apply to our lives. So in the meanwhile, I just want to thank you guys for listening, for reviewing, for liking the podcast, for sharing it with your friends. Um, I I read your reviews. I'm grateful for them. I love your suggestions. I get them. So thank you for sending those along. I love what Winnie in Austin said, that she's just found the podcast and enjoyed the passages, uh, the the lessons that we just did on Matthew 4. Winnie in Austin, thank you for listening. I'm so glad you're here joining us. And I try to imagine you guys in your lives, in your Bible study. Um, for some of you, perhaps, if this is new for you, I would encourage you to pause the podcast as we work through the Alive Method, and we work through the four questions that we use every week. If you need to pause and reread the passage or write down your own observations, just consider me your coach along the way as you spend that time in Bible study. Or you know what? If your life is so full that you're just cramming this podcast in between carpools or soccer games or dishes or whatever, that's great too. I'm glad that you're here, and I'm happy to be your guide through a passage of Scripture. But if you do have the opportunity to work through this yourself, to really let me um, lead you as
and follow along in your own journal, you're going to find it to be all the more rich if you can if you can do that. So I want to invite you, if you never tried that before, that this would be a good time to start. You don't need anything but a notebook. You don't really need anything but a notebook and a pen and your study Bible. And you're going to see what I'm bringing to you is right there in your study Bible. And it's available to you. And this is the richness of Bible study is that there's just layers and layers and treasures to unfold as we live our lives with Christ. So that's what we're going to be doing um, over the next several weeks. So I'm going to take us to the passage that we're going to look at that's really going to kick off this whole series. And this is going to be in 2 Corinthians 3, and we're going to start in verse 10. So here's your chance to flip through your Bible and find 2 Corinthians 3, verse 10. So I, in my own personal Bible study, have been working through the New Testament. I'm now turning to the Old, which I'm really excited about. But in working through the New Testament, I was recently recently in 2 Corinthians. And as I was just doing my Bible study, which truly looks a lot like what we do here together, I, I use loosely the framework of the Alive Method and I just work through books of the Bible in my personal devotion time because um, anyone who's leading you, by the way, should be growing personally. And of course, I have days and even weeks where it's not as much of a priority, and I feel it. I feel the disconnection when I'm not making that space for God, and I'm just human like you. So if that's been the case for you, welcome to grace. Like This is God's grace that we continue to progress and grow, even if it's done in stops and starts. And it is the human condition to be done in stops and starts. So I'm no different than that. But as I have used this method and kind of made sure that I'm always somewhere in Scripture so I can always return to a passage, I was recently in 2 Corinthians, and this passage really, truly just stopped me in my tracks. I've read it multiple times before, but for some reason this time through, I was like, yes, that's where I want our community to go, because this is a key that unlocks the importance of Scripture from beginning to end and can kind of give us that shot in the arm, that like enthusiasm we need to really understand the context of the whole of Scripture, not just um, the part where we read about Jesus's life on earth, but all, all of Scripture and where it falls in priority to our understanding and learning of God. So I'm going to read you the passage and encourage you to listen if you're following along in your Bible. Also, just underline if you notice similar words that come up a lot, or just a word or phrase just sticks out to you. Circle it, underline it. That's one of the ways that you can return to it when we are ready to study. So here we go. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 18. Just want to encourage you to take a deep breath and ask God to give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. 
And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit." Holy moly, what is going on here? I mean, is this is one of those passages where if you're new to Bible study or you haven't been doing your own Bible study and you really slow down, what should be happening in your mind is you should be like, what is this about? Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it should feel a little bit mysterious. It should feel like you are getting like clues, but you don't necessarily know what the clues mean. That is a good feeling. If you can come into scripture with curiosity and expectation rather than a sense of like, oh my gosh, I'm scared. I'm not going to understand this. Or, oh my gosh, what if I don't like what this says about Jesus? Or, oh my gosh, what if I don't like what this says about me? No, just come into it and be like, ooh, what is the treasure hunt that is before us? Because there is a lot going on here. The first thing, of course, when we get to our first question of the Alive Method, what does it say? I think we want to stop here. And again, if you're in your Bible, if you're underlining or you're writing down words, you may notice that the word glorious and glory comes up a lot. Okay, so we're going to want to put a question mark next to that. Um, I would invite you, can you define the word glory? There's so many words that we use in the Bible that if you really had to define them, they're harder to like get your mind around. So we're going to put a little question mark there. We're going to, we're going to want to understand glory. That's going to be important, right? And as I'm kind of doing, what does it say? I'm looking for kind of the bottom line. A lot of times when I read a passage like this, I'm like, let me, let me try to get some hooks in what the bottom line is about why the author is breaking the de- this down the way it is. Remember, like, there's nothing, there's no words in scripture wasted. So when you are reading a passage, somewhere in that passage, there's usually somewhere in that book or whatever, there's going to be a sense of like, what's the bottom line here? Like, why do I need to know this? And so I see the why do we need to know this in a couple of different places. The first one is in verse 12. It says, hey, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. So I'm going to write in my journal, like, something about this knowledge is going to give me courage, confidence, boldness. And I don't know about you, but most of us, I think, really do wish or feel like we need a a, a more bold faith. We wish we like could just be more confident in in what we believe and why we believe it, not in an angry way or a self-righteous way, but in this like, I have a gift that I've been given, and I just want everyone I know to know and understand this gift. And it seems like whatever this hope is that we're talking about in verse 12, it's the thing that's going to make us bold. So I'm going to make a note about like, like whatever this is makes us bold. In verse 16, I see that we've got like this kind of break, right? We've got something comparing the past to comparing the present. There used to be a glory that was transitory, it says. There used to be a glory that's related to Moses and the Israelites, right? There used to be a glory that was related to the old covenant, but there's a change made, right? In verse 16, it says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taking, taken away. So like, I want to understand what the veil is at this point, right? Because it says what's going to happen now is freedom is going to come. Verse 17, where the Lord is, there will be freedom. And everyone, verse 18, who is now unveiled actually is going to understand what this 
whole thing means, right? Because it says that only in Christ, verse 14, only in Christ is this veil taken away. So whatever this veil is, whatever this past is, it's only going to be understood as it says in verse 14, it's only in Christ that the veil is removed. And so we can just, again, we're only in question one. What does it say? So like, what's a veil? Most of us know what a veil is. Like you you think about a super, I've been watching The Crown on Netflix and they're like recreating, you know, uh, Princess Diana's wedding. And she's got like eight layers of veil over her face. And that kind of heavy veil, you really truly can't see the face very well, you know, and, and so when you think about the idea of like looking through a veil and trying to see the world, you can think about, you know, a time where you're in the dark, or yeah, you've got something covering your eyes or whatever. If you've ever put some like had dark sunglasses on in a dark room, you're like, I can't, I can kind of see, but I can't quite see. And we're getting this image, this image is being built for us in this passage that in the former way, there was a veil. And that veil like obscured the glory. And in the present way, that veil for those who are in Christ is actually removed. And so now there is an understanding of what all the former way was. Does that make sense? So this is kind of in our, what does it say? It's like, okay, we're starting to get some hooks around like, why would this matter? Well, it would matter if we're being transformed, right? With ever increasing glory, glory seems to be super important because it's mentioned like a lot of times, right? Um, So we know that glory is important. We know that this is about being transformed. We know this is about being very bold in our faith. So basically, this is just convincing me that I should try to understand this passage. And a a lot of times, that's what I feel like is happening in the Bible is when you start doing your Bible study, the first step is you kind of need to convince yourself on why it's important. Because most of us, you know, it's it's sometimes hard to stay focused. It's sometimes hard to stay in it, especially if we're like, I, I don't quite understand this. I'm not quite sure how to understand this. It's just easier, right, to be spoon-fed. It's just easier to be like, maybe someday in the future, years from now, my pastor will choose this passage and I'll learn something about it. Well, I'm like, guys, the Bible's been given to you. Like, you're, you, you know, you're, you're called out. I'm called out. We're all called out in this passage. Every single, it doesn't say like, hey, pastors need to be really bold. It says, no, like anyone who has turned to the Lord, the veil's been taken away. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you're a UPS driver or stay at home mom or a teacher of kindergarten partners or a CEO or a pastor, whoever, if you've turned to the Lord, the veil's been taken away. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And with that unveiled face, we're actually able to see something differently. So our interest should be up. Like something's been transformed that really matters to our everyday life, um, whoever we are, as long as we've turned to the Lord. Question two in the Alive Method is what's the backstory? So in the backstory, we're kind of like trying to understand the whole of the passage, right? And we, we've we asked enough questions now of this passage to know that we've got some stuff that we need to answer, right? And one of those things would clearly be in verse 13, like this seems to be referring to a passage in scripture, right? It's a different story that it's referring to. And if you go to your study notes, as you would, you would see that it's actually referring 
referring to Exodus 34. So we could go to Exodus 34 and read about like this actual passage, which is of course what we'd want to do. Now, because I'm using this passage to set up an entire series, we're actually going to go and visit with Moses in a couple weeks. And I'm going to give you those passages. So we're going to just put a little pin in that and we're going to know, okay, we're going to want to know what this is all about, but I'll, I'm going to give you a hint. Moses sees God. He like visits with God as the um, ambassador to God's chosen people. Moses was the leader of the Israelites being led out of Egypt into the promised land. And as part of that, he's receiving from God, God's sort of like setup for what it's going to look like to be God's people. And it was, it says in scripture that when Moses was with God, the glory of God was so radiant that Moses's face would shine with the radiance of God so shiny, so bright that he actually had to cover his face with a veil because people were scared of him. They were scared of that level of holiness. So you kind of want to know that as we as we read this passage, because it's actually saying in verse 18, hey, we get to contemplate God's glory. Like the glory of God is now available to us in a way that like our faces aren't even veiled. And as we're in his glory, we're being transformed into his image. And so we're going to spend time with God. And as we do so, we no longer have this veil between God and ourselves because Moses, when he would be with God, would be so radiant that other people couldn't even like handle it. And now in Christ, we have the opportunity to be this close to God's glory, right? So close to God's glory that our faces aren't veiled. We're actually able to be in that space. So I want to show you guys something really cool for our backstory today. And sometimes this is one of the things I'll do in Bible study that I haven't really walked you guys through yet, um, which is if there's a word or a phrase that piques my interest, that I just find stands out, that I want to investigate a little bit more, I will go and explore what the original language, what was the word in the original language. So uh, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek. And even though, you know, I'm not fluent in Hebrew or Greek, nor will I ever be fluent, I have learned how to use tools that can help me understand, just bring a little bit more knowledge to why did the translators use this word. And so the word that stood out for me was contemplate. Interestingly enough, it does not say contemplate in my older version of the NIV. It actually says reflect. And so you're going to find in your different translations, the word may be translated differently. And the reason is, is because the Greek word doesn't have a perfect appropriation into English. And so translators get together, like it's not just one person, they, they're they going to work out and hash out what they think is the, the best original meaning of that word that is conveying what is trying to be said here. So that's why the Bible's dynamic, and you'll find different translations have different words used. And I like the access that we have totally free to be able to find and understand the original language. Now, it's not going to be for every... The one I'm going to show you right now is not going to be for every single word, although there is another way to get at that. I'm just going to show you one way to get to the original word. So like for instance, for the word contemplate. All I'm going to do is I'm going to go to BibleStudyTools.com. That's sort of my preferred version that I use online. And when I go to BibleStudyTools.com, I can go up to just the search bar and I'm going to put in 2 Corinthians 3.18 so that just that verse comes up. Okay, now I'm going to give you two steps that will help you get 
to where I need you to be. The first step is that you need to change your translation to the NAS. That's the New American Standard. Okay, so whatever translation you're in, for the purposes of finding the original language, you need to use the drop down bar to change the version to NAS, New American Standard. And then on the right-hand side, you're going to see a little gear icon. It looks like a little tool gear. And when you click on that gear icon, you need to go ahead and check the box that says um, Strong's Numbers. So you check the box that says Strong's Numbers. You're in New American Standard. And all of a sudden, um, some of the words in the verse are going to turn blue. And every word that turns blue has a link to the original word in the original language. Okay, so I'm going to click... And in the NAS, the word used is beholding instead of contemplating. So I'm just going to click through, and it's going to take me to the actual Greek lexicon. Lexicon is like a fancy word for definition. It's going to show me the actual Greek word that is used here. It would be hilarious if I tried to pronounce it, but of course I will. It's katoptridzami. <laughs> you can listen to it actually at Bible Study Tools if you want to hear the original word. It is K A T O P T R I Z O M A I. It is quite a long word. And it's going to tell me the definition. And here's the definition one, to show in a mirror, to make, to reflect, to mirror. Two, to look at oneself in a mirror. Three, to behold oneself in a mirror. So as I read that original definition, I'm like, oh, no wonder they use these different words. One translation says reflect, one says behold, one says contemplate. And so you can feel sort of the emotional tone of the word change. But the whole idea is to kind of to stare into the mirror, not just to glance into the mirror, but really to look into the mirror, to take in, like to gaze, to reflect, to contemplate plate to behold in the mirror. And I and I love going to this original because we all know what it looks like. We all know what it's like to look in a mirror. You know what it's like to look in a mirror when you're examining yourself for flaws, as opposed to looking into a mirror to behold something beautiful, to see something beautiful. And there is a there's sort of a, a tone here in this original word at, that we are looking to to just gaze into something beautiful. And as we gaze into something beautiful, transformation is happening. We are actually being transformed into the likeness that we are seeing before us. That's just a beautiful truth of this word. And in this particular word, you're going to see, it's going to tell you where else this word um, shows up in scripture. And this is the only place, this is the only place this particular word is used in the New Testament. So I took my little rabbit trail and I checked out a word in my backstory and now I'm kind of moving forward, okay? And I'm going to ask, what does this mean? And so for me, when I read this passage and I think about what principles can we apply here, I think one of the principles that we can apply is this takeaway that will be sort of grounding us for the entire series. Our contemplation of the work of Christ in the entirety of Scripture brings us increasing freedom and transformation. Our contemplation, sort of our beholding, our gazing upon the work of Christ in the entirety of Scripture brings us increasing freedom and transformation. You see, it says in this passage that it is in Christ when this veil is taken away that then we can understand what is actually happening. It says minds, your mind is made dull if that veil remains, but if, if it has been removed, if in Christ that veil has been taken away,
way, then we can contemplate the Lord's glory. We can actually understand. So all that has been in the past, all these past references before Christ can be understood, can be defined, can be filtered through our understanding of Christ. We can now see with an unveiled face what this stuff is all about. This is the reality of Scripture is that it always points to Jesus. And so over the next several weeks, we are going to go through the Old Testament together, and we're going to stop on some key passages that illuminate what was happening, like in the like how we see how the story of Christ and the work of Christ and the efficacy of Christ in our life actually plays out from the beginning of humanity all the way until Christ's birth. So we're going to stop at Adam. We're going to stop at Abraham. We're going to explore Melchizedek. We're going to go back to Moses, David, Ruth. We're going to take a stop along the way in the Old Testament through several characters, some of whom you might know, some you might not, and explore how with an unveiled face we can now understand the work of Christ through the story of the Old Testament. So I cannot wait. Here's your homework assignment for next week, Genesis 1 through 3, chapters 1, 2, and 3, and we're going to focus our energy around Genesis three fifteen. All right, guys, talk to you then. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of lifeaudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that, plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, you can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.